there is no secret formula for scaling customer support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new HubSpot Service Hub, bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with AI-powered help desk, all so you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. We're talking about the image wars, the battle between Adobe, Midjourney, Canva, Figma, and the race to be your creative destination for you and your team. I'm your co-host, Kip Bodner, CMO at HubSpot, joined as always by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, CMO at Zapier, and this is Marketing Against the Grain. Let's get into today's show. Okay, Kieran, I feel like a lot of our WhatsApp thread recently has been dominated by what's happening in the AI image space. Like, there's a whole heck of a lot going on. We've covered on a previous show the updates to Adobe Firefly, features like generative fill that are really transforming how people edit and generate images for their day-to-day work. What is your take on what's happening in this space right now? The image stuff is real. The hype is real in the image stuff. You can actually do an incredible amount of stuff with images that you were not able to even do in the past. You're doing a ton of stuff with it at HubSpot, Karen, and it's working. The video, I'm less sure about. I think there's incredible video tools for people who already are good at video. So then maybe it's the opposite end of the spectrum of images, which is, I feel like where the incredible output is coming from on the video side of things is people who already are good at video and then they have tools to make them much better. But people like me who are trying to create videos by themselves with no other help from anyone. I was doing it over the weekend with some tools. You can actually take a photograph and you can write a script and it will actually have the photograph look like it is speaking, right? So I was dragging in an image of the Man United manager because I was sending it to my brother who's a Man United supporter and I detest Man United. And I, was saying, I love that your AI research is just to troll your brother. <laughs> I start with trolling. Just so you all know, so all of our audience know, I try all these tools and the very first thing I try to do is troll. So I was sending images to people, trolling them through like talking realistic images. I think I think this is an important thing for our audience to know. They see you as a mild-mannered Irishman, now clean-shaven, glasses, very intellectual-looking. You are a shocker, man. You... I want nothing more than to just troll people, especially about football, especially about UFC, anything that can be competitive where you can win and make or whatever you support can win and you can make fun of somebody else like you're there for it all day, every day. This is the growth hack for marketers is like minimal viable version of everything with trolling. <laughs> Start everything with trolling first and then work your way up to do something impactful with it. So I think video, there's a really cool company where you can actually basically capture information in a form. You can send it to that tool. It will create an avatar-like experience where you have like a real person talking to you and talking to the customer. And I will say like, it's pretty average, right? Like it's pretty clear that that is through an avatar. The voice is very monologue and stuff like that. But getting much better, there's a version of that tool where I can upload an image of me, I can upload my voice, and I can start to create AI-generated versions of myself. So I think coming all the way back, the race is on in both those areas. I think they are they are much more interesting than text to me, which is the image and way video. More. But I think there are somewhat opposite ends of the spectrum where images like really for that not really great to okay bucket and really moving them up. And the video where I've seen a great video I put is like the people who are already good, great at video and they're producing like incredible stuff. We talked about it 
what was the Wes Anderson, The Hobbit, was it The Hobbit or something like that? Or the Harry Potter. Don't... Oh yeah, the Wes Anderson, Harry, Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. But people who do that, no video. Well, there's a couple of things in here that I think are important for everybody to understand. First of all, the internet democratized access to information. Artificial intelligence is democratizing understanding of information, right? We're not that far away from like, oh, I've got this song in my head. I don't know how to read music. I don't know how to play a piano or play a guitar, but that's okay because AI can help me basically figure that out and get this song out of my head and into the world. And that is going to be amazing because the AI is democratizing how quickly we used to would have had to spend years learning how to read music, how to play instruments, all of those things. And the AI is basically going to make that learning curve days, not years, which is pretty right pretty freaking dramatic, right? And like, that is a big part of what's happening here. And that's happening first and especially exacerbated in image-based creative design, graphic design, photography, all of those things. The other thing that's happening is like, if you think about all of the raw materials designers used to have to work with, like stock images and everything, were garbage. And now they're like, cool, I can go and generate this awesome image to use as my kind of base material to make an ad, to create an awesome website, to do whatever I'm looking to do. And we're also just starting now with much, much higher and stronger and more relevant baseline design content. And that, you know, regardless of what tool you're using, that is just a fact that is now possible and happening in the world. And I think all of this is a net positive for the world. I think AI has a lot of net positives and a lot of net negatives. I think net positive being able to create better baseline aspects of a work for, you know, expert designers and everything to take advantage of is a big net positive. I think the work we all observe on a day-to-day basis is about to get way better and way more relevant to us out there. Do you agree with that? Or do you think I'm being overly optimistic me? No, I think time from idea to execution is getting smaller and smaller. So we're going to have more things that exist in the world. You know, one of the things I was trying to do was start transfer rumors. So right, this is Eric, Fran- <laughs> this is the Man United. Oh, did Man United get a bunch of budget cleared up by well, some people? Th- this is meant to be Neymar. And I just could not <laughs> get it to look like Neymar. This, is the, this does look like Man United manager. They're at Old Trafford. He's just signed Neymar. I was trying to start all these kind of rumors. And so like, <laughs> there's a, such a soccer troller. There's never been a shorter time to like go from ideation to actually, hey, how do I get that idea out in the world? And also like it allows us to test things much more rapidly because the cost to produce a video or the cost mm-hmm. to produce really great graphics are getting lower and lower and lower. So we can actually do these things and then start to see what resonates. I still think that the people who have like real expertise in this stuff are going to be much better. So I still think there's going to be commoditization of skills. I I agree. Yeah. So everyone like somewhat has similar skill sets if they're in that kind of okay and good bucket, but there's always going to be truly great people who use AI tools better than anyone else because they just truly understand that discipline of work. This is a question I'd have for you. And then then I want to go into like the Adobe versus Midjourney part of this. Do you think... What you just said basically means people are going to spend less time like inward thinking and contemplating like a creative idea and more just like, hey, I kind of have this idea. It's pretty easy and cheap for me to do it. So I'm just going to do it real quick and get it out in the world. You think that's a net positive or a net negative thing? I think it's a net positive. I do too. But I think there are a lot of people out there that don't. For non-data-backed work, so when you like, you know, search data back, paid data back. You can kind of understand if it's going to work before you do it because you have all the data to prove that. 
But for like creative work, maybe that's design, content, video, imagery, and the experience that I've had with it, it is so hard to understand what will and will not work. I'm sure if you get enough reps at this stuff, you get better at being able to figure out like what's going to be a miss and what's going to be a hit. But boy, like you can spend days and days and days and days, like even just social media, right? You can spend oh, huge, incredible amount of time thinking of something and you're like, ah, oh, that is such a great thought. And you put it out in the world and like no one likes it. And then you just think of something really randomly between your meetings <laughs> and you put that out in the world and it's a huge hit. And you're like, ah, oh, what the hell? How does that even happen? And sometimes you think of things and historically you're like, oh, this is cool, but man, it's going to it's going to take me a couple of days to like put it together. And by the time those couple of days go by, it's no longer relevant and it kind of could have been a hit, but now it, it's not working. And AI fixes that part too, where it's like, oh, I have this thing. I can now get it out into like a finished work product much, much faster when it's going to be more relevant in like the cultural zeitgeist. And I think if you're a business leader, your marketer watching today's show, it's one of the things you have to understand is that because of the speed of all of this stuff, it is going to be more important than ever to operate in the moment, in the culture, because that's just what's going to start happening because everybody's going to be able to start doing all of this work much, much faster. Yeah, coming back to that creative work, if there's any kind of data you can pull, so let me give you an example, like YouTube is full of a lot of creative work, but there's AI tools now that can actually pull data from mm -hmm. YouTube to tell you what you can actually put your title in and put a description in and it will start telling you like how likely it is that your video is going to be a hit. So anywhere where you have created great creativity paired with data, and data sources, AI is going to start to be able to tell you what is the percentage chance that that thing will be a hit or not. But anywhere where it's hard to pull like actual data to tell me historically what works, what does not, that's where there's a lot of more hit, hit and misses. One of the things that we know is now critical in the AI world, Kieran, but was kind of like relegated to product management before, and you are a big fan of this, is feedback loops. You like to call them growth loops, but feedback loops, yes. right? And yeah. You know, when you're talking about AI models and training AI models, the, the last stage of an AI model is like the fine tuning stage. And a lot of how you fine tune a model is kind of specialized, verticalized data and, and then really good feedback loops to reinforce the model that it's actually making the right predictions. Right. And so what we are seeing here is that feedback loops are just going to be important to every person in every role going forward. And so something like AI imagery that allows you to get much better feedback loops kind of across the board in a really meaningful way. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love. Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever noticed how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact. On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight in one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so, so Kier, this brings us to Adobe versus Midjourney. So Adobe 
I think people were kind of clowning on Adobe because they were slightly slower to roll out their AI features, but they've now they launched Adobe Firefly and about a week ago, which we covered, they rolled out a big update to Firefly with features like generative fill that are we're taking Twitter by storm and everything being really innovative in the AI image space. And then you've got upstarts like Midjourney who have less than like 20 people and are, you know, huge, huge in the image generation and text-based image editing space. And then you've got other players, OpenAI with Dolly, Canva. It's a very crowded, battled space. I, I just want to talk with you and get your take on like, what do you think it's going to take to win this space? And if you were somebody out there using all these tools, like how would you prioritize them? So one of the things we could actually debate is, are AI features a acquisition tool or a retention tool? And what I mean by that is- They're an acquisition tool. Okay. I actually think they could be a retention tool. Okay, so go. this is going to be a great debate. So there's two there's two strands to this thread. First of all, can AI point solutions, can any of them beat a platform, right? Do any AI solutions, point solutions live outside of platforms? And when I say platforms, I mean Adobe and Canva and all of these, Figma, like all of these design platforms that are integrated in AI tools into them. So that's one. And then the second thing is for features being integrated in the platforms, are they an acquisition tool or a retention tool? I think they're a retention tool. And so the reason I think they're a retention tool is I think people leave platforms for other platforms if those platforms do not integrate AI in the ways that they need to integrate AI to give those, you know, users table stake features that they expect. In the AI world, they just expect these features. But I don't think anyone is actually going to choose a platform solely because of the AI features, right? I think it's the platform as a whole, but AI is commoditized, becomes table stakes. So they just expect AI to be part of the platform. So they'll leave a platform because it doesn't have AI features, but they won't actually like make a decision on a brand new platform on AI features alone because they'll make a, a decision on Canva as a whole and Adobe as a whole. And so that's the thing I've been thinking through is like, first of all, does any point solution, can any point solution live outside of a platform? And like, how do they find use cases that don't get commoditized by the platform? And then as part of that, do platforms think of AI features as a retention tool or an acquisition of new customers mechanism? So this, this is my take. If, if you look around at what's happening here is that features are getting commoditized extremely quickly. You know, Adobe exactly. rolls out generative so retention fill. tool. So I won. No, they're not. They're they're not. They're not a retention tool. Why? Why do you? Why do you? Why are they? How are they a a retention tool if they're commoditized? Exactly for that point, because you expect to get AI features in any single platform, so you'll make a platform choice based upon the platform as a whole. But you will leave a platform for another platform if you do not get the AI tools integrated into that. So in that way, it's a retention tool, not an acquisition tool. Although I'm arguing the opposite, which is that they're an acquisition tool because you have like a week or two first mover advantage and you go and you acquire and you kind of get the perception you're the leader with that feature. And then people churn off because they realize they can get that feature anywhere. That's a retention tool. I, so, so it's kind of both. Churn, I think we're actually kind of both, my, right? Yeah, maybe I have, just let me give you my scenario. Brand new customer trying to choose design platform for the very first time. I am saying that AI is not a sole reason that you choose that platform. You choose that platform for all of the features and AI happens to be one of them. But it will not be the reason someone chooses that platform because it, to your very point, AI features are commoditized, so they're just part of all platforms. But for existing customers, they will leave a platform if that platform does not integrate AI features quickly enough well, because look, they're, they're commoditized. So it's it's a retention tool. No, you, you were looking at it through the platform feature and I was looking at it through the point solution lens. 
right? I, what I, the argument I, I was making yeah. was that for point solutions, features are how they acquire, not how they retain. Because if you're a point solution, your feature gets commoditized. If you are talking to a bunch right. of the AI application layer founders, they're seeing huge, huge churn issues. Like they're just users are leaving in droves as soon as they're like, oh, well, this killer feature that you had is now on this other thing that I already pay for. So I'm just going to cancel your app. Right. And so yeah, exactly. retention yeah, is a I, massive 100%. problem in all this. And so what that yeah. means, I think, for everybody on the kind of image creation side is that Adobe has the leverage, if you ask me, because they have both visual image editing, like a visual user experience, and they've integrated a text-based natural language user experience, where MidJourney is just natural language, for example. And so I think the net of it for me is like, this is Adobe's race to lose. If Adobe can continue to innovate the way that it looks like they've been innovating with Firefly, then they've been the de facto platform for creatives. So they have all these users, they can get better feedback loops and data than anybody else. And then they, they're going to go and they're going to win. And that's what I think we are talking about today. And I think as a marketing leader, I always kind of like squint at the amount of money we have to pay Adobe because I'm like, this doesn't seem fair. And I would love to just pay less money on those creative tools. I don't know if it's actually going to happen. I thought for a while, there was a chance of that happening. And I don't know if that's true anymore. So this is actually a classic battle within AI, which is super interesting, which is MidJourney has its own AI model, has gone to market in a very different way where it's done through Discord. It's a single point solution, which is like creation of images. They don't have anything to like edit the images. They have their own model. They've had incredible feedback loops to like train that model. And they also do not give a shit about copyright, right? So like their <laughs> images- are Oh, much by the way, did you see what Japan did, by the way? Japan, they actually allowed, yeah, they they allowed anyone to train on any data. Yeah, they basically say copyright law does not apply not to model training. So if you're training a model, you right. can use copyrighted data in Japan and copyright information training. That is massive. Part of this whole image war that's happening is the copyright law and the copyright infrastructure Co of the, the world. It's the copyright laws. And it's going to become a geopolitical issue because there are going to be some countries that are going to come down on different sides of the copyright law. And what Japan did, for example, is incredibly progressive and could drive growth for them in the AI space because people are like, great, I'm going to go run this business in Japan where I can go build my models in a much more free manner than maybe other countries where they're going to be much more strict on the copyright side. And there are a lot of countries who just haven't taken a stand. But that is a massive part of this that's like, Pretty mind-blowing. Like, one of the biggest economies in the world has basically said, eh, we don't really care about copyright when it comes to training models. Yeah, it takes away the upstart's kind of core differentiation, which is we'll just navigate around copyright laws because they don't impact as much as, like, the large established companies. But if every country goes that route, then Adobe can just have mid-journey overnight because they can train on the same data and then right. they actually have all of the other benefits. The other thing about like the mid-journey thing is it's a kind of a cool example of like, you know, a first mover advantage, build distribution, build community. Is that enough to beat platform? But then Adobe has such a huge reach that that is really not an advantage for mid-journey. One last thing about mid-journey is I don't know where they, you know, they've been around for some time. I know they're only a very small team. They're an incredible company, but the still doing this through Discord. Majority has like to get maybe off Discord. People, but they're going to be irrelevant. Maybe if they younger people. This off maybe this is like a, a young, a, a very young person thing. Like if you're in your very early twenties, doing something through Discord is like really cool, dude. If dude, you're a little bit Discord older, like, sucks. This sucks. Gonna, can I, can <laughs> I just sucks. say that Discord sucks? Anybody who thinks using yeah, Discord is awesome, Discord. like please explain this to me. It is garbage. I'm like, yeah. there's spam everywhere. You're changing across servers all the time. It is 
horrible. I really hate it. It makes me there really sad Mid when I have to use it. Smoked. Keep smoking. <laughs> no, it's just, it's not smoke. They just need to have a user interface outside of Discord to get real mass market right. adoption. The majority of the world is not in Discord, for better and for worse, you know? And so right. I, I think they just are going to have to have to move past that. We'll just end on one, just just end this on one thing, which is like, we talked about the upstart mid-journey. We talked about the platform, the existing design platform, Adobe, coming from them. The only other use case we'll just throw out there is the fact that maybe none of those things are the true winners. And the true winner is just this conglomerate of an AI assistant can do all things. And so like Bing yes. is a good example where they've integrated the ability to create images through the DALI model using OpenAI. But I can go into Bing today and I can search for something and then I can create an image as well. So I can start to do all these things in one place. And I think that's the other thing is like, do you just have a, you know, Google-esque conglomerate in the future yeah. where you can just do all things through a single interface. And I don't need to go to here to get my images go to here to get my video and go to here to get this. I can just get it through a one interface that actually will go do all that stuff for me. I think that is a real possibility, especially if we think models aren't that differentiated and models are going to get commoditized. That is a very real possibility. And I don't know what that means for companies like Adobe and Canva and Figma, but it's going to be a real change to those businesses and those models. My net of today's conversation is that we're in a very fascinating place for creatives and people who just have really great ideas and want to get those ideas out in the world. Like it's never been a better time, never been easier. And trolls. <laughs> and people who want to troll their family about Liverpool versus Manchester United because for some reason you people think soccer is important. I'll get there someday. <laughs> no, I probably won't. Never mind. But but in all seriousness, like it is an amazing time if you're out there creating with these tools. If you are running these different image creation, image editing companies, I think the future is very uncertain because there's gonna be a lot of competition, there's gonna be a lot of evolution, there's gonna be a lot of change. I think we set the ground around copyright, around different user interfaces, both visual and natural language, that are going to be kind of some of the inputs that figure out where we end up. But it's like, the future is only going to, to let us know, and I'm sure we'll have multiple shows in the future about this topic, but we wanted to kick off and kind of frame it for everybody that if you are not out there using these tools, getting your work into the world faster, getting better feedback loops to make your marketing work better day to day, week to week, then that is where you are behind. And you should work on using at least one of these tools in the way your team works and creates. Do you agree with that? I agree with it. Yes. I think, again, these tools are going to be part and parcel of how people do their work, how we all do their work. We had a great conversation with Joanna Lord, and we talked about oh, that was a great episode. Uh, T-shaped marketers and vertical marketers. And I thought about that, and I'm like, well, we're all somewhat T-shaped because we can now all do like a minimum amount of everything because AI can help us do it. Like I can do a little bit of design, I can do some video, I can do a little bit of all the things that AI can do. So I'm somewhat T-shaped, but I like, but where am I 10x? Right. So like T-shaped. Mm -hmm where I'm like, okay, fine, these things, and I'm 10x at other things. And I think that's really important to start to figure out how you can integrate this stuff into your workflows and just do things much more rapidly. Like you can just get so much more work shipped. Yeah, and, it, and it's not about more work. It's about getting more work into the wild and getting feedback and getting a better understanding what works. of what your community wants and what works for you with them. And I think that's the power that these tools are ultimately unlocking for everybody, regardless of what you're using. This is going to be a fascinating space. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll be back with you real soon on Marketing Against the Brain.